Having your Bibles tonight, I hope you turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter number 33, the book of Exodus chapter number 33. We've enjoyed these few days that we've had with you, looking forward to the month of February. Get back over this way and uh, looking forward to great things in the month of February. Good to see each and every one of you on this Tuesday night. Got a good crowd for a Tuesday night. What a blessing it is. Sometimes I enjoy the Tuesday and Thursdays and, you know, those off nights when many folks wouldn't come to church. Sometimes it's some of the best services we have and uh, appreciate you coming out. Had a good time today, good meal today, and appreciate the food that was provided for us today. Each one of the nights, y'all been so good. You fed us and fed us and fed us. Well, we're almost fed up, but not quite, but thank you so much. You've taken a big part in our ministry, and we just want to say thank you. We hope you will grab one of the prayer cards if you haven't already and pray for the Aguiar family as we minister and help small struggling churches in America. You probably notice many of you when you come in, you see the camper and uh, had one person ask me, he said, Brother Aguiar, you have a camper, but on the back of the camper you have a trailer. He said, what is that for when the times get rough? Or what, what, What's the, uh, that trailer for? And I said, well, we've been praying about that for about three years. I'd been engaging in quite a number of tent meetings throughout uh, the last six or seven years altogether, and uh, the Lord's blessed. We've seen many folks saved. We've seen churches really boom and uh, really get revived in tent meetings, and uh, it's just been such a blessing. And so for the last three years, we've prayed about it and asking God's will on it, if God would allow us to do it. And uh, But I didn't have the okay until this year, and we was able to pick up the trailer, got it for an excellent price, and then uh, we bought a tent and uh, got a few other different things as necessary, all the chairs, the platform, the pulpit, the sound equipment, uh, the banners, the flags to go on the top, uh, many different things for the tent ministry. And as we go in working with churches, sometimes we found up north the tent ministry to be one of the best things to use. But uh, up north we'll set up a tent and folks will see it and get curious and they'll come in and just stop in because they see the tent. The very first time we set up the tent was over in the place of West Point, Nebraska. We was working with the Liberty Baptist Church in Freedom or in Fremont, Nebraska, and the pastor had a desire to establish a church 30-some miles away. There was no Baptist church for 35 miles. And he had a desire to establish a Baptist church in an area where there is no Baptist church. Now, many times there's Baptist churches all over the south, but up north there are few and far between. And we believe the biblical way to start a church, we believe that churches should start churches. We believe that's the biblical way. You see, every now and then, uh, folks might get upset with the preacher, and they'll leave, and they'll get upset, and they'll start their own Bible study and then turn it into a church. Could I say, that's not a biblical church. We believe that churches should start a church. You say, what do you mean? Well, a church sees the need. They send a missionary. They send a preacher out. And there, that preacher, that missionary has the job to establish that church, a church producing a church. Well, that church saw the need, and so they uh, asked us to come and take a part in that. And so what we did, I wrote many of our supporting churches, and I asked the supporting churches as I wrote the letter, I said, if, if you feel it to be the Lord's will, would you come out for one week, take a week's vacation, and help us to establish a Baptist church? 
And I had many folks call in about it. Brother Aguiar, what all is needed? What do we have to bring? Uh, what's uh, provided? What's the lodging? Many different questions. And I told him, I says, we cannot provide lodging, but we can provide ground. I said, if you bring a tent or a camper, it won't be any problem. But if you have a motel, we'll direct you to motels, but you'll have to pay the cost. But anyway, we had about four motorhomes and travel trailers and campers come by. And then we had about eight tenters come by. And here it is, we set up the tents around the big tent, and we set up the campers around the, uh, our, uh, around the tent also. And for one week, we preached the Word of God in an area that has never heard the gospel as far as we know. And as we set up the tent, I started thinking, I said, Lord, we need to encourage the workers. And one of the things that we did by encouraging them, we provided the meals for them. Now, you just imagine with me when you have 40 workers with you. Now, I want you to know something. It's a little bit of food. Not much, but it is a little bit. And here it is. We went ahead and provided breakfast, dinner, and supper for each one of those people. You say, Brother Aguiar, I thought that was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, no. Supper's the last meal of the day. You say, why? Did the Lord Jesus have the last dinner or the last supper? But anyway, we provided breakfast, dinner, and supper, and we had a great time. And here it is, uh, 40-some folks, and in the morning time, we had a, a service just to encourage the uh, workers, just to get them enthused, and, and boy, we had uh, uh, preachers that was called to preach. I had every preacher I could preach, uh, young uh, teenagers that surrendered to preach the gospel. We let them go ahead and preach two or three times uh, in, that, in those morning sessions. And then we had our dinner meal, and then we went ahead and broke into groups, and we went out into the areas giving out gospel pamphlets, knocking on doors, giving out the Word of God. Some folks stayed back to do the vacation Bible school that we had planned. And so here it is. Some went out door knocking during the afternoon. Some helped the vacation Bible school. You know, we knocked 3,500 doors from Monday through Friday. Could you imagine knocking 3,500 doors? Could you imagine a town that, that uh, held somewhere around seven, eight, nine thousand 9,000 people? And here it is, there's 3,500 doors that we knocked on, gave a brochure, gave a John and Romans to, invited them out for the tent meeting, gave them the Word of God. You say, Brother Aguiar, was there many results? We saw three folks come to know Christ as Savior. What a blessing in a town that's never had the gospel. As we preached the message of the Word of God in the evenings, we had many visitors. In fact, in that town, there was 17 adult first-time visitors. And then there was 15 children first-time visitors. And God began to work, and God began to bless in that whole thing. We want you to pray with us that God's will be done. As we work with churches, our desire is to help. Many times we go in and help churches to get established. The Lord permit, in this August we'll be going to Osseo, Wisconsin and uh, helping the Black River uh, Baptist Church in Black River Falls, Wisconsin. They're, they see a need about 30 miles away to establish a church where there is no church. And so we'll be going up there once again. And, and I'm asking folks if, it, if they feel it's the Lord's will. We do require something from the people. We require that they have the permission of their pastor and their church before they come. You say, why is that? Because we don't want troublemakers up there. If your pastor and the church cannot give the okay, we do not want the folks up there. But we require that if the people's going to come. And because we want to join in, we want to go ahead and help a church establish that church. We want to be a blessing. We want to see folks say, we want to see God's Word preached in areas where the Word of God is not found. So we ask, if you will, pray for the Aguiar family as we minister and help churches, Baptist churches, 
across America. Well, the book of Exodus is where I'm drawing your attention tonight. The book of Exodus, chapter number 33, I did think for a few minutes uh, about making the continuation of what I started last night. I preached last night what to do when you smell the hog pen. I do have a continuation to that message, what to do when you smell your brother coming from the hog pen. Sometimes, uh, you know, that brother can really be a problem. Sometimes uh, that uh, elder brother that stayed home can get the hog pen, you might say, in his heart by smelling the other brethren. But uh, I'm not going to do that tonight. I don't feel it to be the Lord's will. But the book of Exodus chapter number 33, I want to preach tonight on the glory of God. Exodus chapter number 33. Stand with me, if you will, as we notice just a few verses in this passage of Scripture. Exodus chapter number 33 this evening. Notice with me, if you will, in verse number 10, the Bible says, And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto them, If thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will have uh, show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass when my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Let's bow in prayer as we ask the Lord's blessings over the message. Father, tonight I pray that thy will might be done. Lord, tonight Moses had a desire to see thy glory. Father, tonight as we've joined in on this Tuesday night service, Lord, we have a desire tonight to get a little glimpse of the glory of God. So, Father, I pray that the distractions of the world might be put out from our minds. And Lord, tonight that we might center in on the message of the Word of God. Lord, tonight would you go ahead and as Moses asked, Lord, would you show us Thy glory. Bless the message. Give liberty as we preach. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I have to admit, as I've read about the life of Moses, I read of the day when he went ahead and met with God at the burning bush. What a great time that must have been. I went ahead and read over in the book of Exodus around chapter number 13 when God went ahead and took the waters of the Red Sea and, and separated and they walked across on dry ground. What a great time that must have been. 
Could you imagine as there it was, God began to take and drop the manna right from heaven. They would wake up in the morning and the little, the Bible says the little round things were all over the face of the earth. And, and God began to feed the children of Israel with bread from heaven. Oh, it was so perfect in every way. You didn't have to worry about cholesterol. You didn't have to worry about fat. You didn't have to worry about sugar. Oh, it was perfect in every way. And every day God went ahead with the exception of that Sabbath day. God would go ahead and bring that manna down. Oh, it must have been tremendous. It must have been very uh, great to see that great uh, uh, manna come down. It must have been tremendous. I could even imagine over in chapter number 17 when Amalek went ahead and came up against uh, Joshua at that time and Moses got on the mount to see God go ahead and fight the battle for him and to see the, the enemy run to go ahead and know there's victory. It must have been great. But I would say tonight if there was a time in the life of Moses that if Moses would put a check mark and say this is the greatest time of my life, I, I have to admit the conversion was, but if there was a time after conversion it was the greatest in his life, I would probably say he put a check mark in chapter 33 of the book of Exodus. You could just imagine here as he's been on the mount and he's been communing with God, he's been talking with the Lord, and as he's been talking with the Lord, God's been speaking to him. And it's interesting that the Lord said unto Moses in verse 17, He says, I'll do this thing also that thou hast spoken of, for thou hast found grace in my sight. I have to admit, it sure is nice to find grace in the sight of the Lord. You remember when the thoughts of man's imagination was only evil continually? You remember the day as you read in the Word of God when man all he could think about was evil, when all he would uh, put in his mind was the evil things of the world, the evil things, what he could do to somebody in an evil way. And here the thoughts of man's imagination was evil. But the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Could you imagine what takes place when we find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Oh, God was going to actually destroy the entire uh, 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 earth, every uh, man, every woman, every boy, every girl. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He told Moses, I want you to know you found grace in my sight. There's some folks I have not found grace in their sight. There's some folks they get upset with me. There's some folks they just don't like me. There's some folks when I preach, sometimes they don't like what I preach about. But it sure is a blessing when you find grace in the eyes of the Lord. No, uh, Moses, I want you to know you found grace in my sight. But notice he also says, I know thee by name. Every now and then we pull into a community and here it is, maybe I preach there sometime and here I, we go into a grocery store and you know, uh, when you have five children or more, people begin to notice you. We went over to Walmart the other night and uh, Brother McVaney and his family was there and, and our family was there. And You know, once when uh, our two families get there, it kind of like takes up a few aisles, if you know what I'm talking about. And here it is. Uh, you know, people just begin to notice you. And one time I remember we was going into a store and somebody came up and they said, Brother Aguiar, how are you doing? I said, fine. But I didn't know who they were. You ever had that happen to you? I mean, they came up, and I began to talk to them. And, you know, I'm trying to be as polite as possible. So I, I always ask them, well, how's the church doing? Hoping they'll tell me the pastor's name so maybe i got a thought of who they might be. Oh, the church is doing fine. Everything's going good. I said, well, uh, how's the preacher doing? And I'm hoping he'll tell me his name so I can find out who this person is. And, oh, the preacher's doing fine. And finally I have to ask them, what is your name? 
You know, I've come to find out something. When we spend time with people, we learn their name. God said, Moses, I know your name. Have you ever thought why God knew his name? I know God knows all of our names. I understand. But here, it seems like there was a special relationship. It seems like Moses went ahead and spent time with God. And God said, Moses, I know you by name. Interesting. I could imagine as Moses is listening to the Lord, tell him that he found grace in his sight, tell him that he knows him by name. And Moses, he says, I'm going to ask the Lord for something special. In verse number 18, he says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I believe if Moses would have asked for a long life, God would have gave it to him. I believe if Moses would have asked for riches, I believe God would have gave it to him. I believe if, God, if Moses would have asked, Lord, would you just get rid of all the enemies? I believe God would have done it. You say, why? God was going to do something special for Moses. But it's amazing, something far more than a long life, something more than the riches of the world, something more than the enemies being gone. He said this, Lord, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. I have to admit, as we've traveled around, been in over 800 Baptist churches across America very few times do I find the glory of God. There's very few times when I can step in the, behind the pulpit and preach and know that the presence of God is... I mean, very few times. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm not being critical. I'm just being honest. Sometimes we get so much into the mechanical side that we forget what worship is all about. Lord, I have a desire. I beseech Thee, show me thy glory. I recall we went to a church over in the Carolinas many years ago, and as we went over there, they asked us to come over and preach a six-day revival. And so I went on over that way, and it started on Monday, and it would go from Monday all the way, or seven-day revival, Monday through uh, Sunday. And so I began to go ahead, and we pulled in in the afternoon and, and hooked up our camper right there at the church. Nobody else was at the church, and, and uh, they gave us a key. Somebody was there to meet us, but nobody lived around the church at that time. And so here it is. We had the whole thing to ourselves. And uh, uh, about 6 o'clock, uh, uh, they came in for the prayer. We had a word of prayer, and then we went into the evening service. And I have to admit, it was deader than 4 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it was dead. I tried preaching, and boy, it just seemed like nothing was there. I mean, and this is a southern church. You know, in that area, they get real lively, and, and they shout and grunt and groan. I mean, I mean they, they do different things while you're preaching, but it was just as dead as dead can be. Well, Tuesday night came around. My wife even noticed that I had a rough time. She said, what are you going to do tonight? I said, I'm going to preach shotgun style. You say, what do you mean? Have you ever went out to maybe hit a target and you took this little pea shooter, and for some reason you just kept missing. You know what I found? If you take a shotgun, you're bound to hit it. <laughs> and so I took a shotgun message to the pulpit that night. I preached everything as sin. It might not have been sin, but if it was alive or if it was breathing or if it was around, it must have been sin. I preached everything I could. I just preached it hot. I preached it heavy. It didn't matter if it was music. It didn't matter if it was dress. It didn't matter what it was. I just preached it all. And I tried to find out what's the problem with this church. What's going on with this church? What's going on? And there it is as I preached the message of the Word of God. Got on one subject. God said, move on. Got on something else. God didn't give liberty. I moved on. And then I got off on backbiting, excessive anger, and gossiping. 
And you know what? God says, drop the anchor. And for the rest of the night, I went ahead and preached on this. I didn't know it at that time. I later found out the church was so spiritual. After revival, they was planning on kicking the preacher out. That's how spiritual they were. And there was a bunch of uh, uh, lip flappers going on and and talking about the preacher and and going ahead. In fact, there was two rows of uh, pews. One side was for the pastor. The other side was against. And you could see, uh, see the two sides. And they never met when people shook hands. Well, Wednesday night came along. You know, I found out something being from Florida. We used to go fishing all the time. You find a good fishing hole, you go back. (laughs) Wednesday night came around. You know what I preached on? Gossiping, backbiting, excessive anger. Oh, I had a a normal preaching. I enjoyed it. They endured it. I mean, I just went ahead and preached the message of the Word of God. Hey, listen, sometimes it takes some hard preaching on what you're doing to get your life right with God. And so here it is, Thursday night. I mean, I had a good time. I, and you know, the, it was still a good hole. So you know what I did? I went back to the same hole. I just kept on And Friday night, you should have seen it. Here it is, the folks begin to assemble in. And there, as I got ready to preach the Word of God, I could tell God was getting ready to do something. And for the first time, there it is. They got around the altar. People began to weep and cry. And finally, the right side came over to the left side. They began to hug each other. They began to ask forgiveness. They began to say that they were sorry for what they did. You know what happened? Saturday night, God brought somebody in to be saved. You say, Brother Aguirre, what happened? They got the sin out of the camp that the glory of God might come down. I will say this. It was a seven-day revival and we went for 22 days preaching the Word of God. Not many times have I seen the glory of God come down. We was over in the state of New York. pastor asked me to come and help their church. And he says, let's preach an outdoor meeting and see what God does. And so we planned a seven-day meeting. We started there on Monday and went all the way through. By Saturday night, the preacher said, Brother Aguirre, I don't think we ought to close it down. I said, Preacher, I don't think so either. I said, I think God's getting in on this thing. We're seeing things that's never taken place happen. So we, he said, would you stay two more days? I stayed two more days. Into those two days, he asked me, would you stay another two days? Ended up staying for 29 days preaching the Word of God. I start to think for just a moment, the seven-day Adventist church in that town closed up because we was having services. The Church of Christ, the water ducks, as we would call them, believing in water regeneration. Could I say the baptism pool will never save a person? And when they went ahead and closed their church doors because we was having services, I preached still, for by grace are you saved, and the waters cannot save you. There was also another church, the Methodist Church. They came out, literally closed up their doors. Well, we went for 29 days preaching the Word of God. You should have seen God working. I saw folks at the altar weeping and crying. You know, it's one thing when, when you see God convicting folks and folks get right, but here when there's been sin that's been there for a long time and God begins to work and folks get at an altar and begin to weep before God over their sin. Not many times do we see the glory of God. 
Moses says, God, my desire is that I can see your glory. I have a desire. Would you show me your glory? And notice what God said in verse number 19. He said, I'll make all my goodness pass before thee. I wonder in the mind of Moses, as God began to show him his goodness, maybe his goodness as he went ahead and took him and through his mother and his dad, as he put him in that river to go ahead and protect him from the king that went ahead and said, throw him away, cast him out, get rid of those baby boys. And God showed his goodness at that time. God showed His goodness there in the in, in, at Pharaoh's uh, daughter. He showed His goodness there on the mount. He showed His goodness all the way. Hey, could I say tonight, God's been good to you and I. The goodness of God. I had a person one time, they said, Well, Brother Aguirre, I know I'm saved because God saved me on the operating table and I'm here alive. I said, Ma'am, could I say this? Just because you made it through the operation, that doesn't mean you're saved. It was just the goodness of God that God gave you another chance to be saved. Imagine as the goodness of God began to pass by. Imagine with me as the goodness of God. Moses is looking and seeing how good God is. You know, David said, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. You can go ahead and search the Scriptures. You'll find out God's been good to you and I. I remember the day when I was shot. Many of you might not know the story. I was shot after preaching a meeting. And here it is, driving to another meeting to, uh, to preach once again. Shot by a sniper. And could I say, in the midst of all that, God's goodness was still there. I'll say this, if He took our life right now, He's still done more for us than what we could ever deserve. The goodness of God. The goodness of God began to pass by. But not just the goodness of God. He said also, I'm going to proclaim my name, the name of the Lord before thee. Imagine, here's Moses. He's uh, standing there. The goodness of God is passing by. And now God begins to shout out His name. You say, well, Brother Anki, I thought, God, maybe His name was just Jehovah or Lord God. Oh, no, you search the Scriptures, you'll find many names for God. Could you imagine as Moses was there and God begins to go ahead and shout out His name, I am the Almighty God. Imagine as He begins to go ahead and say, I am the Blesser. Imagine as He begins to say, I am the Counselor. I'm your Deliverer that took you out of Egypt. I'm the Everlasting One. I'm your faithful friend. Imagine as He begins to proclaim the name of the Lord. I had a person one time come up to me and said, Brother Aguiar, I wish I knew how to pray. I have a desire, and I, I, I want to be like the disciples. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Brother Aguiar, I wish I knew how to pray. I said, would you do this? I said, would you, when you pray, would you just begin? You know, most people, when they pray, they ask God for this, ask Him for this. And, and sometimes, I hate to say it, but we use God as a crutch. And we're always asking. Don't get me wrong. God said, ask, it shall be given you, seek, and you shall find. I understand that. But sometimes, part of prayer is praising the Lord. And sometimes, and you might want to do this one day. When you want to pray and just spend some time with God, just begin to go through the alphabet and begin to acknowledge the name of the Lord. 
You say, what do you mean? Just begin to go ahead and pray and say, God, I thank you that you're the almighty God. I was in some trouble. I was in some despair. And Lord, you was almighty. You went ahead and brought me out. Lord, you are the blesser. You are the beloved. You are the Christ. You are the counselor. You are the daysman. You are the deliverer. You are the everlasting one. You are my faithful friend. You are the glory. You are God. You are the holy one. The I am, the justifier, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the noble God, the only God, the powerful God. Oh, just begin to praise the Lord for who He is. Imagine here Moses is listening to the name of the Lord being proclaimed. He begins to shout out, I'm sure. Oh, as he heard the name of the Lord. Imagine with me now, God said, I'll be merciful to whom I'll be merciful, be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. But he said something in verse number 20. He says, thou, shalt, thou cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. I have a problem with these televangelists, uh, you know, the ones that get on TV. First problem I have is that they're on television. That's the first problem I have. The next problem is that every one of them has visions. Now, can I be honest with you? The only time I've had visions is when I've ate Pizza's too late at night. That's about the only time I have them. I have some weird dreams when I eat late night pizzas. Especially when you put things on it, you don't know what they are. But here I went and listened to some of these different ones, turn on the radio, and, you know, on, on a Sunday morning sometimes I, I just listen a little bit to find out and hear this one says, oh, I was, uh, I, I was there waiting for the Lord, and the Lord went ahead and began to speak to me, and He showed me His face, and I saw the tears coming down, and He told me to preach this message. Could I say something in the Hebrew? Baloney. I do not believe that's a bit true. You say, why? No man has seen my face and lived. I have a problem with these different ones that have a picture supposedly of the Lord Jesus on their wall. They have a picture of God on their wall. I have a problem with that. You say, why? Well, for one reason, it looks like a queer. That does not look like the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, that person with long hair, nature itself will teach you that if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. It doesn't matter if it's a little one-year-old or if it's a 30-year-old. It's a shame for a man to have long hair, the Bible says. You look at the face of that person and it's so tender. It's so sweet. Hey, listen, that's not my Jesus. I want you to know He was the God-man, just as much God as He was man. When they came to arrest Him, they didn't come with one person. You say, why? Because He was somebody that had some power in His life. In fact, the only thing that's missing in many of those pictures is that earring in the ear. That's not my Jesus. No man has seen my face and lived. I've listened to different ones that was on in the hospital and supposedly they had a special experience where they left this life and they saw the face of the Lord and the Lord said, go back and to earth, I'm going to give you your life back. And they came back and told the story. Could I say, I give you the Hebrew word again, baloney? I don't believe it's true. He said, Moses, I love you. I know you by name. You found grace in my sight, but you cannot see my face and live. He said, but Moses, there's a place by me. 
I like getting by that place that's near to God. I start to think for just a moment that place is so near to God. As I think about that place that he was talking about, Moses, there's a place for me. He said, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll cover thee with my hand. I'll take away my hand and thou shalt see the back parts. Could you imagine here as Moses is placed in that cleft? And here it is, God puts his hand around Moses. Oh, he goes ahead and allows the goodness to pass by. He allows his glory to pass by. And here, the, uh, imagine as God passes by and he moves his hand just a little bit and Moses sees the back of God. Just imagine with me as Moses just gets a little glimpse of the glory of God. You know what took place? Moses' face began to shine out. I encourage you to read chapter 34 of the book of Exodus. In the last ten verses, you'll find out the face of Moses was so bright that they had to take and put a veil over his face. Why? Because he's seen just a glimpse of the glory of God. You know why many folks don't see Jesus in our life? We missed out on the glory of God. Could I say this? If you and I would get involved in the things of God, people will come around and say, hey, there's something different about you. There's something that's different. I don't understand what it is. I mean, I just can't see. I don't know what the difference is. Tell me why you're still smiling in the midst of trials. Tell me why you still can go ahead and shout the victory when things are going wrong. Tell me why you still have something to shout about. Oh, here, he went ahead and he saw just a glimpse of the glory of God. I have to admit, as we've gone to churches on a Sunday morning, it's probably one of the hardest times for a person to preach. You say, why? Because so many people have seen a glimpse of the world on Saturday. It takes an awful lot to get the glory in on Sunday. Lord, my desire is that you'll show me a glimpse of your glory. Would you turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter number 6? Isaiah chapter number 6. There's another time that the glory of God is mentioned. In Isaiah chapter number 6, it's interesting that in verse number 1, the Bible says in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up his train, filled the temple. Interesting that the king had to die for Isaiah to see the Lord. Now, I read about Uzziah. Uzziah wasn't a bad king. In fact, he would be pretty good in America. He would go ahead and do some things that our other uh, presidents would have never done. I often wondered if sometimes we get our eyes fastened on, upon a certain person on this earth, and as our eyes are fastened on that person, could it be that maybe we've come to a spot and we said, that person can do no wrong? And as we look at that person, we begin to go ahead and put that person on a pedestal and, and lift him up instead of lifting up the Lord. And could it be here the reason Isaiah could have never saw the Lord high and lifted up is because his eyes was fastened on a king. And so the Lord brought a king to, the de to his death that I Isaiah could see the glory of God. It's interesting that he saw the Lord sitting on his throne, high lifted up, his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twenty did cover his face, with twenty covered his feet, and with twenty did fly. Now could I say this, this is a lot different from the pictures we've seen of angels. I don't know if you know it, but there is a worship of angels in America. 
Everybody's worshiping the angels and thanking the angels and, and rejoicing because the angel kept them from this accident and all this. Hey, listen, there's a worship of angels. Could I say God never intended for you to worship angels? He's never intended for you to exalt angels. It's interesting, one of the Ten Commandments is not to make graven images of things above. But boy, we'll go ahead and put them in our home. And here we have this one figure of this, uh, this being. And boy, you can't tell if it's a man or a woman. And I have a problem with that. And some of them, you know, you look at them, they, they, they look so much like the things of the world. And, and some of them, I, I went ahead and seen these two wings. Could I say you cannot find that in the Scriptures? These seraphims had six wings. And from what I can tell from this verse of Scripture and comparing it with Revelation 4, it seems like they would orbit around the throne of God. And as they would orbit, they would take two of their wings and cover their face. They would take two of their wings and cover their feet. And then with two wings, they would fly. And as they orbit around the throne of God, it seems like one would come to another. And maybe in their, with their voice and what they, uh, as they was talking, they may have said, what did you see? And he began to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of His glory. And imagine as that next one went around, He begins to say, Holy, holy, holy. Could I say this? You get a glimpse of the glory of God and you'll find holiness in your life. You know why so many folks are living for the devil? It's because they missed out on the glory of God. I often wondered why do so many people fall into sin? Could it be the time when we've missed out on God's glory. Get a glimpse of His glory. You'll find out some of those magazines you'll get rid of. Get a glimpse of His glory. You'll find out that that television program can't be watched anymore. Get a glimpse of His glory. You'll find out some of those romance novels you'll kick out. Go ahead and get a glimpse of His glory and you'll find out that that music needs to be thrown out. Oh, well, Brother Aguiar, I listen to the gospel music. You know, Johnny Cash singing How Great Thou Art. I remember one time, as a new Christian, we didn't know any better. We was, I was saved and we was in a very liberal church. I didn't know any better on the matter. I was probably only saved for two or three months and in a church that didn't preach anything. We had old Johnny singing How Great Thou Art. We also had the tapes that sang about going to Jackson. It bothers me when the same tree can produce good and evil. That bothers me. Could I say if it produces any evil, you need to get rid of it. And I found out old Johnny had to leave. I found out for some reason, Johnny Cash, I mean Elvis Presley, oh, he may have went ahead and sang some uh, uh, hymns on Sunday, but he lived like the devil on Saturday. And for some reason, I just couldn't keep that garbage around. Some of these other different ones, these gospel singers, oh, every now and then we get into a church, and boy, these teenagers, they want me to listen. Brother Aguiar, listen to this tape. This is really good. And they they, they give me a tape of, of Amy Grant, and, and boy, I put that thing on, and I think they got it from a rock concert. I can't tell the difference. 
Or maybe Sandy Patty, and, and here it is, she's going ahead and talking about some wings of eagles or whatever it might be, and yet here it is living so ungodly, and the beat not matching up with the words. And could I say if the beat doesn't match up with the word, hey, you need to get rid of the garbage. The Bible says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making a melody in your heart as to the Lord. You know, I found out, you know, music is intended to go right to the heart as a praise and worship. As music is given and when it's right, it goes right to the heart. The wrong music you'll find will not go to the heart, but it'll go to the heel. And then it'll get to the hip. And it never makes it to the heart. We've been in churches where here it is, they get ready to have the invitation and I'm not sure if they want the boogie-woogie done. I'm being honest with you. What a shame to bring that garbage right into the church. What a shame to have Christian rot. What a shame to have soft Christian rot. I want you to know something. I've never been hit by a soft or a Christian rot. But we've went ahead and categorized it as Christian. We've went ahead and put a label on it. And today in many of our homes of our children, they have that Christian rock. And I want you to know it's nothing more than rock itself right from the pit of hell. The problem is you've missed out on the glory of God. It is interesting when Isaiah saw it in verse number 5, he didn't go up and slap God on the back saying, How you doing? But if you notice here, he fell at his feet as dead. And he begins to cry out, Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Could I say this tonight? You get a glimpse of the glory of God and you'll see how awful you are. These people think they're so great. And, oh, when I get to heaven, I'm going to go ahead and walk up to Jesus and shake hands with Oh, no, you won't. You'll be falling at your face. You get a glimpse of the glory of God. You'll see how horrible you are in God's sight. Interesting, a glimpse of the glory. I take you very quickly. I'm going to have to hurry tonight. I'm almost done. Notice with me in the book of Acts real quick. The book of Acts. There's another time I find the glory of God. In the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, very interesting passage of Scripture. I don't have time to go into a lot of different thoughts. But there is another time I find the glory of God. As a man by the name of Stephen has now given out the Word of God, he's preached so fluently the Word of God, started from the creation when God created the world, went all the way up to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, began to preach so well. And in verse number 51 of chapter uh, 7, he got a little bit rough in his preaching, and he said, You stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Could you imagine as he said, Listen to me, you've been resisted, you've been resisted, You've been counting church membership as your way to heaven. You've been counting baptism. You're stiff-necked. You're uncircumcised in heart and ear. You're always resisting the Holy Ghost. If you notice with me, they did not receive that message too well. They did not take up a love offering to help get them out of town. If you notice with me in verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed upon them with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw... Notice what he saw. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. If you notice when these things took place, he looked steadfastly into heaven. He kept his eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of his faith. And as he begins to look up into heaven, he saw the glory of God. 
It's interesting, and also Jesus standing. This is the only time you'll find that Jesus is standing at the Father's right hand. All the other places in the Bible, you find him sitting at the Father's right hand. The person said, Brother Aguiar, is that a contradiction of Scripture? I said, no. They said, why not? I said, well, if I was to right now go ahead and drive and pull up into Denelian, Florida, where my parents are, and if I was to pull up, I guarantee you, my mother and my dad will not stay sitting on the couch. I guarantee you they're going to get up and before we can get the vehicle cut off, they're already going to be outside. You say, why? Because the sons come home. And I want you to know when a child of God comes home, the Lord Jesus Christ is no longer sitting, but He's standing welcoming His children home. But it is interesting. Now, I'm not bringing that out. But he saw here the glory of God. Notice with me, if you will, in verse 60. He knelt down. Now he saw the glory of God. And he knelt down and he cried with a loud voice, Lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Interesting that a person that sees the glory of God, if you get a glimpse of the glory of God, the grudges will begin to go. Here, they were throwing rocks upon them. They were stoning them. They've already gnashed upon them with their teeth. They've already bent them. They've already went ahead. I'm sure some of them slapped them. Some of them kicked them. And here it is now. He's in the middle. And they've taken rocks. And now they're throwing it right there at Stephen. Imagine as one of them hits his leg. Imagine as one of them hits the chest. Just imagine how it must have felt. But him, as he went ahead and looked, he saw the glory of God. He said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. He had a forgiven heart. Because he got a glimpse of the glory of God. You know why so many people hold on to grudges? They're not around the glory of God. You know why you've went ahead and held on to that particular thing day in and day out? There's some people you won't even shake hands with. You know why? You're, you don't have the glory of God in your life. You know why you talk so much about this person or that person? Simple reason. You don't have the glory of God in your life. You have the glory of God. You'll forgive as God has forgiven you. Interesting, the glory of God. Time won't allow it, but Isaiah, we see ourselves. Acts chapter 7, we see others. And then in Revelation chapter 4, I don't have time to go in it, we begin to see Jesus. I'm looking forward to the day when I can see Him face to face. My body will have to be changed because it's like Isaiah. Woe is me, I'm undone. It'll be changed one day and face to face I shall behold him. Could you imagine being around the glory of God? Could I say tonight where the glory of God is, there's liberty? person said, Brother Aguiar, all these rules. I don't see how a Christian can do it. Could I say where the, where the glory of God is, there's liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Oh, well, Brother Aguiar, you got so many rules. Oh, no, I'm free, free indeed. You see, the reason I don't want to do things is because of my love for Christ. I'm free tonight. You're enslaved. You're in bondage. The devil has you bound up. Oh, but where the glory is, there's liberty. Where the glory is, there's life. Where the glory is, there's love. Oh, what a blessed time to get around the glory of God. Moses says, Lord, you know me by name. Moses says, Lord, I found grace in your sight. I have a desire. Show me thy glory. Tonight I ask you, when was the last time you got around the glory of God?
When was the last time when you was like Isaiah and saw the glory and said, Woe is me. The Lord permits, tomorrow night I'll be preaching on the subject, building an ark to save the house. Probably the roughest message that many folks have heard me preach in a long time. A lot of folks say, Brother Aguirre, I don't like that message. It says too much on certain issues. But you know, I found out when a person gets around the glory of God, they don't mind the issues being brought out. First time I went to Independent Baptist Church in Wiesbaden, West Germany. We was in Mainz Bible Baptist Church, very liberal church. We didn't know any better. We was just saved, new Christians. And we knew something was wrong. We knew something was wrong when they dressed the church into a haunted house. We knew something was wrong. We didn't know what it was, but we knew it was wrong. It just it wasn't right to do that. We, we knew that deep down in our hearts. We knew it wasn't right when the pastor and the deacon went ahead and dressed up as women and took up an offer. Something inside, it just didn't bear witness. So we went over to the, we, we heard of a church in Wiesbaden, West Germany, Independent Baptist Church. At that time, Hal Williams was uh, the missionary over there. We got over there and he preached that night on the God of rock music out of all the things. We've never heard anything like that. While he was preaching that, he also preached on some other things that we all was involved in. He preached on how we ought to dress. I'm serious. He went ahead and preached about some shorts that we was wearing at that time. He told us how awful the television was. And I'm honest with you. What he was saying, it just kind of like didn't go over right. But you know what? Something deep down inside began to go ahead and bear witness. And I went ahead and in my heart I said, I don't like what he's saying, but I know what he's saying is true. And it's not me. It's not the Bible that has the problem. But I have the problem and I need to get right. Can I say, when you get to the glory of God, you don't mind preachers preaching on what you're doing. You want to get it right. Lord, I beseech Thee, show me Thy glory. Could I ask you tonight, when was the last time you got around the glory of God?